Acts chapter 4, verse 5 to 12. <clears throat> the next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with, An- with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we, were, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders, it has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name on the heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. This is the word of, Lord, word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we remain seated for our second reading, brought to us by Sam. A reading from 1 John, chapter 3, verse 16 to the end. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this, we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit that he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. 
John chapter 10, reading from verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And Lord Jesus Christ, send your Holy Spirit now to open up our hearts afresh, our minds to hear you, to receive more of you, and to be transformed by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I wonder if you heard or read the headlines yesterday morning a man jumped into the River Thames on Friday night to rescue a woman who fell from London Bridge. He dived into the water after seeing the woman fall at around midnight last night, on, on Friday night. Sadly, while she was rescued by the Coast Guard, along with another man who had jumped in to help her, her would-be rescuer's body washed up six hours later in the morning. What could be more selfless, more loving than the unnamed man's action in risking and giving his life in such a way? Think about it. Not only are you jumping off London Bridge, I find it difficult to dive off a diving board and swimming pool, but off London Bridge to help save someone who's fallen in, but you're doing it at midnight. It's dark. You can't actually see the water much below you. Even if you could swim and had lifeguarding skills, how many of us would do the same? No wonder Jesus says in John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. But that man, as far as we know, gave his life not for a friend, but a complete stranger. It wasn't filial love, brotherly love, family love, but agape love, unconditional love for another human being in need that transcended the man's own self-love, self-preservation, or rational by world standards, rational consideration of his circumstances. 
We don't know if he was married. We don't know if he had children. We don't know much yet. The family apparently were being traced and informed. But unknown hero, I salute you today for your unconditional love, the highest form of love, the agape love, which is like God's immeasurable, incomparable love for us as human beings. You've displayed the same love that Jesus displayed in his ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing concern for lost and fallen people. May you rest in peace and be welcomed into the Father's presence because your life has turned on an act of love. Well, John, son of Zebedee, was clearly remembering this type of unconditional love and the unconditional love that Jesus displayed when he wrote the letter we now call 1 John. In 1 John chapter 3, as Sam read to us, he says, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. And he goes on to challenge us a little further. Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. So how are we as Christians meant to show we love others? We all know that it's all very well to say you love someone, but unless they see that love expressed in a tangible way through actions that show that you care, through actions that show that you are concerned to meet their needs, through actions that show you have their well-being at heart, they won't know or believe that they are loved. Love needs to be expressed through evidence, through an expression which arises from action. And this truth has profound consequences for how we interpret the summary of the law to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's look firstly at what does it mean to love God? Well, thankfully, St. John doesn't leave us in the dark. Firstly, he says, we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Believe and trust in him, which means obeying Jesus. And he goes on to say in verse 24 of that reading, all who obey his commandments abide in him and he abides in them. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit he has given us. By the Spirit that he has given us. I don't know how you interpret that, but to me, it seems clear it's vital to continually seek the Spirit. Vital to continually receive and use the gifts of the Spirit. And vital continually to manifest the fruits of the Spirit. Why? Well, they're the direct evidence in action of the fact that we love God. By this we know that he abides in us by the spirit that he has given us. And it's why Jesus in our gospel reading says, I know my own and my own know me. I know my own and my own know me me. If we don't know Jesus, don't listen to his voice, how can we ultimately say that he abides in us? 
And if that's you, maybe you've been to church all your life, but you're still wrestling with hearing his voice. Come for prayer afterwards. We'll have prayer ministers. Ask for the gift of tongues, if you haven't received it, for the gift of the Spirit. Ask above all to hear God clearly. But it does mean making time for him. And I, you know, you could actually ask him this prayer, Lord, and I made this prayer quite a few years back. Have I rued it? In one sense, yes. Lord, wake me up. And he does, every night, <laughs> to spend time with him. Are you prepared to make time to listen to him? Then what again does it mean to love our neighbor as yourself? The man who jumped in to save a woman in distress showed the ultimate example of love in action, of which I'm rightly in awe. But what should loving our neighbor, which includes your family, your friends, the stranger, as you commute, sitting opposite you on the train, what should loving your neighbor mean for you and me in daily practice? Let's say human beings have primarily three types of need. This is a crude summary, and they can be crudely differentiated, although they often overlap. You can categorize them as physical needs, number one. Our needs for food, for water, for shelter. When we're sick, for healing. When we've got diseases, infirmities, we all need healing. So we have physical needs. But we can, of course, also have mental needs, depression, mental and emotional health issues. One of the sadly forgotten things of the pandemic is that there have been quite a lot of suicides, especially among men. Uh, And some of us have to deal with the funerals of people who are committing suicide. There's bitterness, there's grief. All these are mental needs. So we've had physical, mental needs, and spiritual needs. Our need for purpose. Thank you for that testimony, about the purpose you've got since, what, 2003, 2005, whatever time that Colin shared. Our need for purpose. Our need to know God and to be reconciled to him. Well, St. John, in that reading, that second reading we had, spells out what it means to love your neighbor as far as some of their practical needs are concerned. How does God's love abide in anyone, he says, who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? How? Does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? So love entails sharing, sharing what we have, our money, our food, our clothing, our resources with others in need of those things or the things that our money can buy for them. It's why it's important to us not just to to give our, our tithe to our church but also to go and help others. Maybe it's through those aid organizations, tier fund, Christian aid. I don't know. You choose your charity as well as being the person responding to the person standing in need in front of you. This is straightforward as far as the Christian message is concerned. And every church will be preaching this. But what about needs other than those of the world's goods? 
What are we meant to do about those of our neighbors who need healing for physical ailments, mental health issues, or the fact that they need God and are not aware of it themselves? I shared that testimony earlier in the service about the man, about the Christian who was motivated to go somewhere where he met the man on the bench and he shared with him, he listened to him, and the man invited Jesus into his life. That was a testimony. But our first reading was also a testimony. Think back to what you heard in our reading from Acts 4. Peter and John were arraigned before the religious authorities because they'd met the needs of the man lame from birth who begged at the beautiful gate entrance. Now, they didn't give him money. That was a need, a real need, money to live from day to day because he was lame and he was a beggar. No, they didn't give him money. They gave him something far more precious. As they said, rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. What a wonderful testimony. But God used the disciples then and wants to use you as his follower today to love the world into healing and relationship with him. He wants to use you and me to set those bound by physical, mental, and spiritual chains free. And the question is, are we willing to be used and what's needed of us? I mean, you can ask, how am I meant to do what Peter and John did in healing that lame man? I haven't got that power. No, you haven't, but he has. And as you step out in faith, He will respond. It's one thing to love someone by giving them food if they're hungry, shelter if they're homeless, but another to heal a man lame from birth or someone who's deaf or someone who's blind or someone suffering from cancer. Were these amazing healings just for them and not for today? I don't think so. I've been the recipient of healing myself. Listen to what John said in 1 John 3, 18. Again, but reading from the Passion Translation this time. Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action which will reassure our hearts in his presence. Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience, and he knows everything there is to know about us. My delightfully loved friends, I think I prefer my beloved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, We have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. And whatever we ask of him, we receive because we keep his commands. And by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings pleasure. 
to him. It's awesome, isn't it? Awesome. Whenever we ask of him, whatever we ask of him, we receive because we keep his commands. What are his commands? He tells us. So these are his commands that we continually place our trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another just as he has commanded us. For all who obey his commands find their loves joined in union with him and he lives and flourishes in them. We know and have proof that he constantly lives and flourishes in us by the spirit that he has given us. I don't know about you, saints, but I know I've failed God all too often. And the first way I do so often, and maybe you can concur with me, is by not asking. Why don't we ask him when we're confronted with situations which need his involvement, his intervention? Is it fear of disappointment? You know, I prayed a hundred times and nothing happened. John Wimber prayed over a thousand times before he saw his first healing. Have we prayed a thousand times? Fear of disappointment. Is it fear of looking foolish? Nothing happened. And the person I was praying for laughed at me or scorned me. Is it fear of looking foolish? They don't actually. They don't laugh. They're touched that you care and want to pray for them. Is it fear of man? It can be that as well. But the other way we fail God is by not continually placing our trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. I wanted to show you a video at this stage. Some of you have heard me mention NSPPD, which stands for New Season of Prophetic Prayer Declarations. And it's an online vehicle from the Pastor Jerry Easy in Nigeria, which has just blown us away, my wife and myself, over the last three months. Every morning we're up early to watch it at 7 a.m. for an hour and a half. And the testimonies of what God is doing through the anointing on that man is just extraordinary. He does pay a cost for it. He has to spend many more hours in prayer than you and I can conceive of. But the testimony I wanted to to show to you, I think would have defeated most of you because it's quite heavily accented English, a Nigerian accent. So I'm going to summarize her testimony as best I can. She'd been watching the daily 7 a.m. prayers like many around the world and asking God for her own testimony. Well, it came, but perhaps not in the way she'd expected She was a midwife on duty at night, I think it was around 1 a.m., with a mother giving birth when she was fully dilated. Something went wrong. The baby's head was showing, coming through, but the body was stuck and there was no way it seemed as if they could get the baby out, despite the mother being urged to push and push and push. Now, this lady was praying all the time, but she saw the baby's head was stuck and going blue, and still the baby was not coming. And she called on God, and finally the baby came out, but lifeless. 
seemingly dead. The doctor, the colleagues rallied around. They did all the various tests, but no heartbeat, no respiration, no body movement, and the body of the baby was cold. The doctor advised the midwife several times just to let it be, just to let things be, as the baby had clearly died. But she continued to pray, remembering what she'd heard on these testimonies and from Pastor Jerry. And she then put gauze over the baby's mouth to give mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Still to no avail. And she was being advised by the doctor to give up, saying it was okay, okay to let it be. Clearly, this baby was not meant to be alive. She refused to give up, saying, not on my watch. She called on the God who had already produced so many testimonies, believing and saying that what God cannot do does not exist. What God cannot do does not exist. And suddenly, against all the odds, she said there was some, a breath. And when the doctor came over, he detected a heartbeat. And the baby literally came back from the dead because of the life-giving spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead. It's an amazing testimony. You can try and watch it on YouTube with subtitles, but even the subtitles get her intonation wrong and come up with the wrong words. Now what stunned and astounded me was not just the miracle of the baby coming to life, wonderful though that is, but the dogged, persistence, faith of the midwife. Oh, I've never... I mean, she must have been persistent, dogged. She was asking God with boldness and wasn't taking no for an answer. She was placing her trust in Jesus and believing he was the God of the impossible, that what God cannot do does not exist. And to what end? For love of a child unknown to her, newly born, who had died. Yet there was the desire to pass on that compassion to that baby. Do you and I love the kingdom of God like that woman did? Are we prepared to say, not on my watch? Sometimes we pray and we ask somebody, has the pain lessened? And they say, has it gone from 10 out of 10? And they say it's gone down to 8. And it goes down to five, but then we leave it. Are we prepared to persist? To say, not on my watch. When we come across those needing more than our charity. Needing physical healing. Needing setting free from mental health problems. Needing to encounter and be reconciled to God. What may hold us back, of course, is not knowing the Good Shepherd. Not listening to his voice as we should. Does that mean we give up? No. It means we intensify our prayers to listen to him, to spend time with him, so that we might be empowered to fight for the kingdom. Remember what John said in 1 John 3, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, We know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience and he knows everything there is to know about us. My delightfully loved friends, 
I prefer beloved, my beloved friends. When our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. And whatever we ask of him, we receive because we keep his commands. And by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings pleasure to him. You see, you may not see healing every time you press in for healing for X or Y. You may not see that transformation that you want to see. But God delights in your beautiful intentions. Carry on doing it and you will see more. I'm not perfect. And I don't see every prayer answered. But I believe the words of God. And I believe, and I came across a song, which just, the chorus of a song, which just sums it up. Because what God says about me applies also to you. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken I'm already loved more than I could imagine. And that is enough. And knowing my Father is merciful and good gives me the boldness to ask that I might love others as Peter and John loved the lame man at the beautiful gate. What's easier? To jump over London Bridge into the river in the dark in the hope of saving someone? Or to ask God to let his love flow in this room or in your encounter with that person tomorrow or next week or next year. I think I know which I prefer. I wouldn't want to jump over London Bridge. It's easier to ask God to let his love flow through you to someone else. What God cannot do does not exist. And if you need prayer for healing or for someone else or for a situation or a breakthrough in a situation, can I invite you to stand up now? And you can do so. this at home as well. Stand up now as we ask God to move among us. It's a lot easier than jumping over London Bridge. So if that's you and you've got a health issue or you know somebody with a health issue, stand up and be proxy for them. Because God, our God is real and he moves. He's not just a God we read about in the history books. Stand up for yourself or stand up for somebody else. Stand up for a situation which needs breakthrough. And can I invite you to hold out your hands and receive now. Merciful, compassionate Father, we thank you that you know each one of us, everything about us. And Father, in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth, we declare your healing over those we are standing for now. Over ourselves, if we're standing for ourselves. Over that situation we're raising now, a relationship issue or breakthrough that's needed in a particular area. We are standing before you, Lord, knowing that you are a good God. And I stand on that platform of NSPPD, the God, Jehovah God, Yahweh, the Jesus whom we love. And we say, release your healing right now across this room, Lord, across the airwaves. Release your healing. 
That there will be testimonies to your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. If it's yourself and you're feeling anything, any heat or any sensation, just lift a hand, just raise a hand. If that's you, because he's the God who's faithful. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you heal. Thank you, Jesus, for being the good shepherd. And we thank you that there will be testimonies from this. Amen. Let's remain standing as we sing Psalm 23, I will trust in thee, the Lord's my shepherd.